You've tuned in to The App Show. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo. John Beeler, my co-host, will be joining us uh, shortly. We've got a, a really cool program for you today. Our program is all about the world of apps, whether that's for smartphones, cars, TVs, you name it, and also the world of mobile technology as well. We are going to be chatting about chat GPT a little bit uh, more. If you haven't heard of this, uh, it is uh, an AI or artificial intelligence service that can do some pretty amazing things. You know, we've used it uh, here at the studio to uh, write blogs, social media posts, to actually come up with a social media plan for the company. It can write code. It can write poems. It, uh, it is doing some amazing stuff. You can even have conversations with it uh, as well. And it's just getting better and better. We're going to talk about some of the newest uh, uses for it, some uh, kind of exciting things we've been uh, doing with it, and also why Google is uh, saying no to a chat GPT rival. You'll be uh, kind of blown away as to why they're not uh, getting into it uh, right away. We're also going to be talking about uh, Apple. With their latest iPhone 14, they released a, a new feature, uh, a satellite emergency texting service. So if uh, you get lost, let's say in the mountains where you don't get cell service of any kind, there is a, a satellite texting feature that can send messages via satellite to emergency responders to help get to your location and hopefully uh, rescue you. Well, we're going to talk about uh, some of uh, the rescues that have happened so far. It's pretty amazing technology. And, you know, one reason I would say to upgrade to one of the, the latest uh, iPhone 14s uh, out there if you uh, were in the market to uh, get a new phone. We'll tell you about that uh, and uh, where the future is uh, headed for it. And we're going to talk about a chatbot that was developed by uh, a user down in the U.S. to argue with his uh, service provider's chatbot. He was uh, going after Comcast down there. They're kind of like Rogers and Bell, uh, but the U.S. version, to get a better deal on his bill. And so he developed a chatbot to argue with their chatbot. Why not? We'll tell you what happened and uh, how he fared uh, with that. Uh, looking at some of the uh, the mobile news uh, out there, some uh, interesting things uh, happening in the, uh, the mobile uh, app space, uh, no question. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence and AI AI art, uh, but uh, a very famous uh, filmmaker, uh, Gilmero, Gilmero del Toro, uh, says that AI art used in film would be an insult to life <laughs> itself, uh, which is uh, kind of uh, interesting. Uh, he has made uh, a lot of uh, great films, including uh, the new Pinocchio, uh, and he's coming out really hard against uh, AI, AI art being uh, used. And it's kind of just an interesting kind of world happening right now. There's a lot of uh, these AI uh, art bots or tools out there. You can basically type in what you want, uh, a graphic or a picture of literally anything you can think of, and the computer will uh, you know, render it, draw it out uh, very, very quickly. And the results are just improving exponentially every single month. Like, you'd be blown away by some of the uh, the photos and, and art it can come up with. I think one even won an art contest down in uh, Colorado, which caused, as you can imagine, uh, a lot of uh, controversy uh, with uh, the folks down there. And what would an app show be without uh, us talking about uh, Elon Musk? Uh, looks like he's uh, his Twitter has uh, laid off uh, another few uh, people. The layoffs continue there. Uh, but also, you know, if you were following Twitter, 
maybe you're tired of hearing about it uh, over the past week, Elon Musk is uh, not going to be the CEO anymore. He's looking to find a replacement. He actually conducted a Twitter poll for Twitter users, asking whether he should continue on being the Twitter CEO. Kind of a a gutsy move. (laughs) Really, when you look at all the controversy uh, swirling around, all the crazy things uh, he's done to that company since he took uh, over uh, the the helm. Well, it did not go well for him. And maybe this kind of was his plan all along. Uh, Basically, I think 57% of the poll respondents uh, said... No, he shouldn't continue as the CEO. I actually voted myself. I, uh, I said no. But was that part of his plan all along? Knowing that he wasn't going to continue to be the CEO? Like, he's got so many other companies going. You know, he has SpaceX. He's got Tesla, which either one of those companies would be more than a full-time job. He's also got the Boring Company. He's also got a, a Neuralink company that's developing... Uh, software and hardware that can interface interface with our brains. He's developing robots. I don't know how this guy sleeps at night. It's just uh, ongoing. Also uh, in the news, he he's basically asking people to uh, invest in Twitter at $54.20 a share, which is kind of interesting because that's the same price that he invested in, which kind of added up to the $44 billion uh, price that he paid to buy the company. But if you recall, he was all up in arms and that's why it took so long because he basically tried to kill the deal saying it was overpriced and it wasn't worth $44 billion anymore. Yet here he is now asking folks to uh, invest at $54.20. And I, I guess I would argue that that's not really worth it anymore after all the craziness that uh, has happened there over the past few months. Advertisers have uh, have fled just because of the, the chaos and a lot of uh, hate speech has returned to the platform because I think he killed off most of the moderators that would have uh, looked after that and, and flagged it. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to get a lot of takers on it. I mean, would you invest that much money for Twitter right now? I would think you could get it at a fire sale, <laughs> essentially. But it'll be interesting to see who will step up to uh, take on the job of uh, CEO of Twitter. And I guess all I can say, it's literally only uh, up from here. We've got a lot to talk about on today's program. Again, uh, coming up here, we will uh, be chatting about uh, Apple and their new satellite emergency messaging service available on the iPhone 14. It's an amazing feature. If you do any type of travel outside of cell service areas, if you're going through mountains or you do a lot of hiking where you might not get that service, I think you should check it out. There's been some really great stories of people being rescued because of it. We'll also be talking again about ChatGPT, that amazing uh, tool that can basically create all sorts of business plans, stories, poems, and much more. And a chatbot developed to fight other chatbots. I think I need some of these when I uh, try to get a better deal with uh, Shaw and uh, Tellus. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back shortly after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. With the latest incarnation of the iPhone, the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro, and uh, also the latest iOS 16, Apple has introduced some uh, interesting 
safety features, which I, I, I appreciate, John. One of them is crash detection. So the phone knows through uh, the gyroscope and sensors in the phone if you are involved in a, a catastrophic crash in a, in a vehicle, for example. Yeah, because it knows you've been moving at a certain speed and now you're not. Yes. <laughs> uh, another feature is the satellite emergency messaging system. Which is my probably main reason for upgrading to an iPhone 14. Yeah, because I, I do a lot of skiing and I go through, you know, I've got a trailer now, we're driving through the mountains and stuff. And a lot of times you don't have cell reception. So it's nice to have peace of mind knowing that if there was an emergency, having that satellite messaging feature, I could get a message out and hopefully someone will come and save my bacon. Yes. So let's start with the collision detection. It's off to a start. As you can imagine, uh, certain things can set <laughs> the collision detection off, the crash detection off. Well, I, I remember when they first launched the betas uh, earlier this year, <laughs> people on roller coasters were setting it off. Of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it has to learn, right? Yeah. There's so much testing they can do. But once it gets out in the wild, obviously that's when the real real data comes the in. real data comes in. Well, it, it looks like other things are setting off. There was apparently a snowbiller in uh, British Columbia set it off, and so when it detects the crash, it then dials emergency responders. And so RCMP from neighboring Alberta, I guess, which must have been on the BC Alberta border, yeah. came looking, but well, he he hadn't crashed. No, but I mean, this is the same like the fall detection on the Apple Watch. Yeah. If you fall, and this happened to me as, as we've talked about before, um, it actually will ask you if you're okay. And if you don't respond within a certain amount of time, it'll just start calling 911. And you can cancel that, but then typically 911 will call you back. Yes. Um, and so it makes sense that he was snowmobiling. He probably didn't even know, notice his phone and was doing all this uh, in the background especially who knows where he was where he had cell service. Yes. Um, and then, you know. It happened with a skier as well. Yeah. I can see that. You're going at a good clip. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a good skier. I can stop on a dime. Yeah. That would probably look like a crash. Right. Same with a snowmobile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or even a car. I mean, you can stop quickly. doesn't mean you crashed. Because um, there's no um, uh, G-force sensor that I'm aware of. Yeah, it's funny. The media, obviously, I hate I hate saying it that way because I'm... Because we're the media. Because we are the media. Uh, but they love stories like that. Do you know what I mean? If it bleeds, it leads. Yes. But I have to say, like, how many... We're going to hear about the exceptions. There's no question. Yeah. But how many times does it help? Do you know what I mean? Well... The I, I would say probably exponentially more... Yeah. Then. The thing is, it just has to save one person's life. That's it. And then it's worthwhile. Of course. I mean, and unfortunately, uh, emergency responders deal with a lot of false alarms. Yes. That's kind of the their business, right? I guess they don't want like thousands more. Well, no. And this was the concern that we had with the Apple Watch when they started doing all the health stuff that kind of, you know, was there going to be this big surge in uh, doctor visits because my watch said I'm dying? <laughs> you know, like, Apparently, it didn't turn out that way. No. No. No, but now this is a, more, a much more automated system, though. and there's it, it would have to be, though, right? Because if you're in a crash, you might not be able to phone 911 because you're unconscious. Right. Or you're 
pinned into your car or something yeah. and you can't even reach your phone because your phone got launched out the window. Yeah. So on, on the flip side, we're talking now about the satellite emergency messaging system. It's available in iPhone 14 and 14 Pro. Game changer. Like this is an advancement in smartphone technology. Yeah, and because it's not just like they added something to the to the watch or to the phone, they've actually invested. Apple has actually invested into satellite technology, so they've they've spent a lot of money to make this system work, and it's working in a number of countries now. So, I mean, there's some stories starting to happen now. Uh, there has been uh, some rescues that have been involved. Uh, a, a person up in uh, Alaska. I guess, had issues on a snowmobile and he was able to use that feature to get help. Uh, now, two motorists in uh, LA uh, County's Eastern Canyons are the latest people to get saved. Uh, as you can imagine in canyons, probably a lot of dead zones yeah. up in that uh, area. Uh, and they they were able to, to get help. It's interesting. They actually, uh, the, the rescuers credit Apple's use of accurate longitude and latitude uh, information that comes with those text messages from the satellite service. Yeah. It's like totally pinpointing where the problem is. Not trying to tell them like, look for that rock and that outcropping. Like they can get some pretty exact. Here's the GPS location. So what was interesting is the crash detection set the, the feature off as well. They were in a car crash. Right. And so that obviously led to the phone knowing you need to call emergency responders and was able to use the text messaging service. Yeah. And it's interesting how it works, Sean. It's not like a satellite phone because satellite phones need giant antennas and stuff. There's a lot of bandwidth happening yeah. there. Uh, this is basically taking short messages. It goes through a bunch of prompts. Basically, it has your personal information ahead of time and it starts asking you questions. You know, are you alive? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is... Are you bleeding? That kind of stuff. So it, it, it packs up all that information and sends that out to emergency responders. Like a summary so that yeah. it only asks what the- Pertinent questions. What they actually need to help you. Yeah. Your location, what your status is, that type of thing. What's interesting uh, is, I, I don't even think we can fathom, and I'd love to dig into it a little more with uh, the Apple folks, the infrastructure that needed to be put into place. It's not just the technology, John, putting the chip in the phone. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And, you know, getting some satellite space. It's, where do those messages go? You know, obviously there's a lot of emergency responders that have that capability to take those messages. But from, you know, what Apple was saying, there is a lot that don't. So they've actually set up their own call center. Yeah. I, that's the first thing I, th I thought of when I saw this at being announced at uh, the Apple keynote is like, this isn't just hardware being deployed. This is much more than that. And it's exciting that they're investing money into this. I'm curious as to when Apple might start charging for this service. Cause well, they said it's free for the first two years. Right. I don't know how they can charge for it though. I think they should just bake it into the price of the phone because can you imagine someone having the phone and they didn't subscribe to it? And then they die. We're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Insert your credit card to continue <laughs> or die. No, for the love of God, help. Well, it's interesting that, we keep saying that's interesting. I, I noticed that. Um, Samsung might have the first Android phone with a similar feature for this satellite system. No. Google, <laughs> Google is currently trying to figure out its, its own satellite solutions. So we might see that in a future Pixel phone. But the 
Samsung Galaxy S23 might be the first to use satellite connectivity. What's going to start getting interesting is when they are able to build in voice to it and, and, and data. And I don't know if that's possible in the form factor of the iPhone or an Android phone. Well, I also wonder too, though, like we've seen some collaborations between Starlink and T-Mobile, for example. Yeah. So maybe it is possible that they can sort of bridge that gap uh, thanks to something like Starlink's. Um, yeah, but the challenge is the antenna, John. Like you've seen satellite phones. Yeah. They look like phones from the 90s. You know what I mean? Like they got the giant antennas yeah. on them. So yeah. I don't know how that technological hurdle is going to be overcome. But Well, we're seeing a lot of satellite technology trying to blanket the planet with internet access. Yes, so but you have to have a big antenna. Not necessarily. No? Not with current, or yes, with current generation satellites, but next-gen satellites, maybe not. Satellite 2.0. Yes. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more Tech to Talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. I uh, want to dive into... Uh, GPT or chat GPT, sorry. We've been talking a lot about this on our shows. It's a, uh, a conversational AI or artificial intelligence text language engine. I'm, I, I don't even know how to properly describe it, but it can write social posts, blogs, essays. It can create recipes for you. It can do programming language. It can transcribe or, or summarize. I actually everything. had it summarize itself. Did you? I did. Okay. So ChatGPT is a new and exciting natural language processing technology developed by OpenAI. Company, yep. Big company. Uh, It is a variant on their popular GPT-3 model, which has been trained on a large amount of text data and can generate human-like text responses to a given input. So what's interesting is they started working on this in 2020. So this thing's not even two years old. Correct. And the version that we're using currently that's in basically public free beta is GPT-3. They spent $4.6 million on this initially. $4.6 million. And what that means is there's 175 billion parameters that it can uh, converse in. 175 billion, billion parameters. Billion with a B. And this is version 3. Version 3. Version 4, which we're expecting to see probably in early 2023, they've been spending uh, since 2020 four or $2.6 billion. That's more than $4 million. Yeah. $2.6 billion. billion. But it can do 100 trillion parameters. So it's gone from 175 billion to 100 trillion parameters. I can't even fathom that. Well, you, your brain can because 100 uh, trillion parameters is approaching human brain conversation like that level of complexity so you're saying that it's getting near human capability for conversation right because think about it this particular tool in its current state what is that boiling us down to john hunks of meat yes (laughs) um are we essentially ai well in a lot of ways we are right we're the sum of our all of our learnings and our knowledge yep and not everyone has the same experiences. The same data sets. But this data set has all those experiences. That's the crazy thing, right? And is it perfect? Definitely not. But the interesting thing, though, is the amount of money that are spending on this, uh, 
after the proof of concept stage, which was 4.6 million, they, they got enough investment to get billions of dollars to just make it that much better. And like I've said before, this is going to basically result in a, a leap of technology that we haven't seen before uh, for this particular type of system. But we're verging on human level conversation. Yeah. yeah. Like for reals. Exactly. Right now you have to type to it, but you know, probably not that far away. Maybe the next generation you'll just talking to it like your smart assistant and you're not going to have to use really weird syntax to talk to it. You don't have, that's the nice thing about chat GPT right now is you can have a conversation with it and it will continue to refine its results as you give it feedback. Right. So, so that makes it really easy to, for anyone to use to ask what it can do and it'll tell you what it can't do right now. But like I said, we're going to be going exponentially into a lot more uh, areas of expertise that it's going to be able to talk about and things that it'll be able to do. Uh, like just the, the magnitude of the change is, is so huge. And, but it's interesting though, because right now this particular service is, is um, run by OpenAI. And their uh, CEO, Sam Altman, he, he recently tweeted, uh, ChatGPT is incredibly limited, but good enough at some things to create a misleading impression of greatness. Yes. So he's trying to temp- temper you know, everyone's expectations. We talk about it like it's the second coming. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason it, okay. Is it like Jesus coming back on yeah. earth? No, but I'm just saying from a technology standpoint, coming out of nowhere, really to us, yeah. the advancements are happening faster than anything we've seen in technology. Yeah. To date. No, I mean, and this is like the culmination of every sci-fi movie you've ever seen that has some kind of singularity in it. Yeah. For example, Moore's Law. Yeah. Uh, the Intel guy said that every two years processing power is going to double. Yeah. Now it's more like every two weeks. For AI. For AI. Yeah. So two years for a processing power to double on yeah. a CPU. Every few weeks, it's just like going up exponentially with AI advancements. So uh, just to continue his, his quote, um, it's, a, it's a mistake to be relying on ChatGPT for anything important right now. Uh, it's a preview of progress. We have lots of work to do on robustness and truthfulness. And as we've discussed before, there's been a few times where it's literally just made up stuff because it didn't know the answer. That's right. And so you do need to sort of still edit some of this stuff. Um, but what also is really interesting, though, is Google has come out and said that they're not going to be launching a, a rival to this. They have similar technology already, but they're not quite ready to reveal their tool because of reputational risk. They want to get it right, according to Google. And um, But are they going to release something? They, they Well, they, they say they're working on it. And if it's anything like OpenAI, you know they're spending more than $5 on this. Right, so they're putting all the great minds of um, AI research at this. Google's had some problems though with their AI research people. They've had some people that either were quit or, or either quit or were fired because of the ethics of AI. Which how, is, how do you mean? Well, what what when AI knows everything and can answer anything? How do you know for? for that it hasn't been biased in some way because of the material it's been trained on. Yeah, it's, it comes down to data sets, what's input into it. Right. So kind of like us, we're biased in the world that we live in. Where you grow up. Yeah. What your parents told you when you were young, 
the teachers you've had, all those things. Yeah. It's the same thing for AI. And those biases can can dramatically mag- get magnified when uh, shown on an open platform like something like ChatGPT. Uh, we've seen things like Lenza, the, the magic avatars. There's a lot of female bias with the results that people are getting with that particular tool. When, when, when women use it. Yeah, because it over-sexualizes those results. Yes. And there's a lot of been, been a lot of blowback about that. Yeah. So, so you know guys made it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, we've also seen other biases in how AI uh, facial recognition works. People with darker colored skin tend not to get recognized properly. Or a lot of false positives. Because white people worked on it. Exactly. Yeah. And again, it's the training models that have been trained in them. And so there's a lot of ethics about... But there's no standard for that. There's no governing... Not yet. Organization. No, and, and I think that's what some of these Google engineers were trying to fight for is like, we need to have some rules in place so that people can't misuse this technology. Yeah. Because uh, it's very easy for this technology to be abused for, you know, we've just in basic deep fake technology, you know? Oh, that deep fake. So we've talked about deep fakes, you know, videos of like Obama or Tom Cruise that are basically not them. Right. It's just somebody and then they digitally with AI, they've matched their facial movements. Yeah, in and the next five years, that's going to get like 100 times better. I mean, it's great now, which it, is scary. Yeah, yeah. it's just, you're not going to be able to detect any no. of it. And even things like, you know, like Adobe in their Photoshop, uh, they have the the ability to detect if images have been manipulated. We're going to start to see some of those kinds of technologies come for AI that will be able to detect whether this is manipulated video or a manipulated speech. But then AI is going to find a way to get past those. Presumably, because it can work faster than humans can. Yes. What do you think, though, like 10 years out? It's a different world. I, I, I can't see how it's not going to be different. I, I got to be honest, John, like in the past, I could kind of see five years out with technology. Kind of. Uh, me too, but even, I can't know. even this, I can't see five years. I can't. I don't know. What's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen to jobs? What's going to happen to the tech that we're using? Um, what what tech is going to be basically obsolete because AI has gotten so much better? Oof. Well, we're going to keep following this story. It is developing weekly. And listeners, you got to try out some of these tools. We've been talking a lot about chat GPT. It's uh, free to try right now, but just go in there and just monkey around just to see what we are talking about. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Christmas Day. Back after this. You are back with the app show. Mike and John here. Continuing on our uh, artificial intelligence theme this lovely Christmas Day. This next story I thought was kind of fun. (laughs) We've been talking a lot about these bots that you chat with or ask it to do stuff for you. And in in a lot of places like your uh, cell phone provider, your internet provider, almost any service provider, they now have the ability to chat with them so you can get fixes done to your bill, that kind of thing, maybe get a better deal. Um, I have to do this myself with my internet provider because my rates went way up. Um, so uh, an engineer basically uh, used something called the do not pay bot to have a polite but firm conversation with a Comcast support bot. So this is a chat window that opens up. When yeah. You're- yeah. So you, you, you log into the website, little 
you chat now so you don't call somebody you don't email somebody um you just do the chat and i've done this and it can be painful because you're waiting for them to respond sometimes it's an ai sometimes it's a human you, you, can, you don't always know you can never tell because they they all sound kind of robotic and so essentially what they did is they used um a chat bot to argue for a better price of their internet service how did how did he do that <laughs> well they have a it's a it's a service called do not pay um and the ceo posted a video on his twitter account about this uh exchange happening with comcast xfinity assistant uh which is, turns out was a bot and so the, the basically the two bots are fighting for uh this particular engineer to have a better price for his internet service and did it work it did get out yeah it, basically, the, the uh, Joshua Browder on Twitter, Browder one, J Browder one, the first ever Comcast bill negotiated 100% with AI, and um, the chatbot was able to basically get $120 a year off their internet bill. How do I get this chatbot? I I know I kind of want to do this myself. But that's um, amazing because a, a lot of the times when you're interacting with these companies, yeah, it's. Because I hate getting on the phone, right? Because it, you could be on there for like an hour well, wait, waiting. Right. And, but even, even when you do get somebody, you can tell they're, they're probably multitasking, right? And these, these bots are the same. The chat bots, I've been on, on ones where you can tell it's one person managing probably multiple accounts at the same time. Yes. While they're waiting for a call to come in. Yes. Right? So they might have to come back and forth. Plus... If you're on your computer, maybe you're doing other stuff too and you come back to the window and back and forth because it's not like a real-time conversation. It's a bit weird and delayed. But, you know, this uh, this sounds like it might have actually been a human agent on the Comcast side who was arguing with a chatbot on the customer side. And, you know, ultimately it, it did work. Um, and I, I think this is a really interesting preview of where we're going because you were we were talking earlier about the you know what's it going to be like in five years yeah we're negotiating with bots well our bots are we're going to have our own personal bots yeah that are going to be and then do you pay more for a better bot negotiator probably can i tell you something interesting around this i had some u.s money i wanted to exchange uh so i went to my bank cibc and I hate it. In my area, I'm in Ocean Park. They changed the CIBC there from like a full service bank to a, I don't even know what you call it. There's no more tellers. Right. But there's a few little CIBC. Like reps. Reps in there. And so, you know, I went in, I have a business account there. I'm like, hey, I need a good exchange rate on here. You always get hosed. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, I'm just like for convenience, like what rate? So I sit down, they have a little office and, you know, how much you want to exchange? So I, you know, I said, thousand dollars and so he types it in well we can give you this exchange rate i'm like well that's not good like i can get this on through my wise app yeah and they're like okay anyway so we're negotiating back and forth which i assume was a person yeah somewhere in some cibc office in toronto or downtown vancouver and he tells me no it's a bot it's ai i'm like are you freaking kidding me like we're negotiating with a bot so what biases is it taking into account knowing well, it's your account? The, the bot? Yeah. Well, it's not acting on my behalf. 
It's the CIBC bot. Oh, okay. It's the CIBC bot. Okay. Or AI, basically right. negotiating against me. Right. I'm not even dealing with a human. Doesn't that kind of weird you out? A little bit. I mean, clearly CIBC has a vested interest in giving you the worst rate possible yeah. for your exchange. So I just kept going back and forth. Yeah. Till I got tired. <laughs> oh, no, I did. I did. Like after 15 minutes, like I'm tired. I'm just like, God, I just want to, you know, I got to get to Safeway and get some milk. I'm just like, for God's sakes, the bot, the bot won. It wore me down. I don't know if I like the way the world's going. Well, maybe soon you'll have your own bot that can fight those battles for you. I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. The Mike bot. We're going to have to take another break. When we come back, a little more tech to talk here on the app show. Stay tuned. You are back with the app show. Mike Agarbo here. Don't forget to listen to our sister program. It's called Get Connected. It's been on for forever, <laughs> more than 20 years. It's all about the world of digital technology, smart homes, smartphones, AI, everything you need to know to stay current and up to date in the world of tech. And we have a great program uh, this weekend. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it on Saturday, it is up on our website getconnectedmedia.com. You can also subscribe to the podcasts of both that show and the app show. And uh, I encourage you to do so. We do them uh, every week. On uh, Get Connected uh, this uh, weekend, we uh, talk about last minute uh, Christmas gifts. Yes, it is Christmas Day, but uh, these are gift ideas. Maybe you didn't get the gift you wanted. Here are some uh, tech ideas for the Boxing Day sale coming up. We'll also be chatting with our good friend Peter Vogel. He's going to tell us about his digital camera rundown. Do they still make digital cameras? Yes, they do. I mean, they have taken a big hit because of the advancement of technology. I mean, we have amazing cameras built into our smartphones now, but there are still a lot of standalone digital cameras out there and not necessarily being used for what you think they would be, still photos. A lot of folks are using them for video because the video quality is fantastic. And it's nice to have kind of a standalone device to do that. So a lot of people that create content, video bloggers, you name it, YouTube people, they use digital cameras. So he's going to give us a ran rundown of all the popular ones and where he thinks that whole industry is going over the next uh, few years. Of course... Our website, getconnectedmedia.com, has uh, all of our podcasts, but also a great deal of video content that we create as well. A lot of uh, product reviews in the tech space, tips and tricks and how-tos, so uh, please check it out. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, uh, John Beeler, my co-host and producer, and Robin back at the studio. This is Mike Agarbo signing off. We'll see you again next time.